Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. Jacqueline Larita out of left field this week, huh? She's really going for it on Instagram. I guess that's sort of what happens when you just like have nothing to lose and so much to say. Let me read you guys these comments. So there's this account called Love, Love, Love Gabriella, which is seemingly a fan account. And to be fair, it is very one-sided towards Teresa, Jennifer Aiden. And they comment, any thoughts on Melissa's friendship with Caroline Manzo? And Jacqueline responds, I think they're friendly acquaintances. Melissa always used to say Caroline was too old and boring for the show. Parentheses, she's not. She must have heard the rumor that Caroline may be going back to the show, probably trying to form her alliances. Who knows? And then there was another comment where that same account said, hi, Jacqueline, not sure if you'll answer this. Shot in the dark. Do you think Melissa is a liar? And she said, well, let's just say that she was really good at lying while keeping a straight face and very good at manipulating people. The whole time, Melissa and Joe were in my ear, manipulating me, telling me secrets about Teresa, things Teresa would say and do to them, and telling me things Teresa would say behind my back. I did start to see a different side of Teresa once Melissa came around. Very interesting. Very interesting. I feel like Jacqueline has such an interesting perspective because like obviously she's in Caroline's family but also she was friends with Teresa and Melissa for so long I mean it's just so hard to remember where everybody stands so much has happened on the show but also off the show and also behind closed doors I mean look at Teresa and Dina we don't even know where they stand and to me in my eyes they were such a stable relationship and now I'm honestly unsure because she wasn't even at her fucking wedding No, that whole thing was crazy, especially because when we think about Jersey now, so much of it is defined by the sibling dynamics between Joe, Teresa, and Melissa. Meanwhile, there was a whole other set of family dynamics with Caroline, with Dina, with Jacqueline. It was very, very intertwined. I completely understand what you mean about not knowing where everyone stands. Is there any world in which two seasons down the line, Caroline comes back. And I only say that, which I know is previously a completely outlandish thought. I only say that with the confirmation last week that she's on this next season of Ultimate Girls Trip. Like, is that possible or absolutely no way? Personally, I would say absolutely no way as long as Teresa is still on the show, which for now I don't see changing until the day that it does. But also I think Ultimate Girls Trip was the perfect compromise for Caroline because it's not coming back to Jersey. It's not this whole big hoopla of like, she's back and with Teresa, Melissa and rehashing all this old bullshit that she probably is so sick of talking about, but she gets to be like the reality star that she's so good at being. I mean, her show on her own with her family was amazing. She's on Jeff Lewis live all the time talking and like, she's just a great personality. And I feel like ultimate girlship is the perfect balance of like getting to be on Bravo, getting to be sort of a housewife for a week, not committing your whole life to it. And also 
not having to be a Jersey housewife again. It's honestly the perfect system hack. Like if you are someone who kind of misses the relevance that you receive while being on the show, you enjoy reality TV, but not to the point where it's taking over your entire life. Specifically with her, it got so complicated because of the familial stuff that I genuinely think it became unenjoyable. So especially if you're someone that has products that you're trying to promote, go on Ultimate Girls Trip for a week. You increase your relevance. You're re-centered into the Bravo world, but then you can kind of wipe your hands clean. It's almost like when they say, you know, aunts and uncles or grandparents have it best. They get the kids for the weekend and then the parents have to take them back. That's almost how I feel about Ultimate Girls Trip. (laughs) That's an amazing analogy. (laughs) Like, Yeah, I think it's honestly amazing for Bravo too because now they have these different layers. It's not all or nothing. So if they want to get some of these iconic old school housewives back, it's a lot less daunting to hear, you know, you're filming for a week with these women who you don't have history with, maybe a couple that you do, but mostly they're new to you. So you have a fresh start. Like, come on back, dip your toe in the pond, as they say. I just, it's, it's so smart. And I think for Caroline, this is exactly the opportunity that she was probably waiting for. I, I feel the exact same way. The other thing I just want to mention about Jersey is, have you seen the relationship that Melania has with Louis Sons? It is so sweet. The Judas girls are killing it on TikTok. Like, I think for all these years, everyone's always said, oh my God, when they grow up, they're going to have their own show. Like, they'll be the Jersey Bravo Kardashians. We have that show. Like, everyone is just sleeping on it because if you go on their TikToks, they are giving content, content, content behind the scenes. It's basically its own show. No, it really is. But honestly, Melania specifically, watching her now in comparison to, of course, the Melania we had while she was growing up, which was this very dramatic kid that was constantly giving Joe and Teresa a hard time, the way that she has so seamlessly integrated with Louis' sons, and specifically Louis' one son, Nicholas, who has autism, their relationship is so beautiful. I'm going to put the link, I will not forget, I'm going to put the link in the description to one of the videos she posted of them spending the day together. And I swear to God, it made me emotional because you can tell she's so happy to have brothers. I honestly think they're all great girls. I'm really happy for Teresa, truly. She, she did good. We hit the jackpot this week with No Salt Lake City. I mean, of course, we'll be back with it next week, but we were able to take a breather. So this week, it is just Potomac and Miami. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I know I'm really jumping ahead because the Karen and Sharice conversation happened first and it was kind of a continuation from last week, but I really want to get into Ashley and Candace because 
I have to tell you, when they were sitting at that table and Karen said, you know, so what's going on with you guys? I thought it was about to go south. And Candace looked at Ashley and I felt that was the most genuine conversation they had maybe ever had. Not even to mention what Wendy said, which was very additive and I think very representative of what's going on. But I didn't think that it was bullshit when Candace said to Ashley, I actually want this for you in your next relationship. And I feel that you are projecting slightly. And to Ashley's credit, she took it and and got where she was coming from. I cannot explain to you how hard I'm rooting for the two of them. It literally like hurts me on the inside. And when they're having this conversation, I'm like, yes, keep going, keep it going. You guys are killing it. Like this is the kind of relationship that we want the two of you to have because in so many ways you're so similar and could be so powerful together and you're just not hearing each other. And I think they both said what they needed to say really beautifully in a way that the other one definitely received it. And I do think they're open to it. I think Ashley has done a lot more instigating in their relationship than Candace has, but that's more this season. Last season, it was the other way. And Ashley feels some type of way, like a lot of it is more deep rooted than we realize. And I think this conversation kind of dug that up. But the fact that they were both able to kind of say like, the past is the past, we're willing to move on and actually bury it was a huge breakthrough, I thought. Totally. And for Ashley to bring up the miscarriage thing, you know, that's something that she was holding on to and hadn't said a word about. And then when Wendy says, listen, I think that you both have things you were heard about. Candace still carries that pain when Ashley wrote the letter for Monique. And honestly, those aren't necessarily petty. Like I actually think in the scheme of housewives arguments, those two instances were pretty deep. So I get why they're causing them to maintain some resentment. No, both of them were really valid. And honestly, I don't think that they realized the things that the other one was holding on to. Like, I don't think it was actually thought in their head. They were feeling way more service level about it. And I'm just glad that they had this conversation. And honestly, it was like such a nice moment that they were also able to do it with everybody else around because that's so rare. Like usually conversations done in a group setting are never this sort of productive. And this I felt actually really was. No, it was. And again, to Candace's credit, the way that she almost flipped the script on Ashley in a way that didn't feel antagonistic, it felt like genuine. Like I, I think Ashley sitting across from her really felt what she was trying to communicate and wasn't defensive about it because Candace was so clearly coming from seemingly a really good place about it. It made Ashley realize how stupid the whole Deborah thing was to the point where she pretty much acknowledged that. Right. Like it, it, she realized that it was all silly and that she cut deeper than she actually had intended to. I think a lot of times, like the optics of how it'll look on housewives really gets in the way of their judgment and like it, it alters the way that a friendship probably would have gone down or could have healed in real life without the cameras rolling and without pressure to like be petty, keep up a storyline and do something sort of shocking. I don't even necessarily need them to be friends. Like, of course, that would be the dream. But I feel like even a few weeks ago, we said, you know what? Maybe it's just better off to not. I just think when they're not constantly coming for one another, it's such a happier group feeling. It's so much happier. And they're funny together. And they have like similar everything. I don't know. I just like, I'm obsessed with them as a potential duo. And I'd rather them have the relationship that Giselle and Karen have, which is like, frenemies who have respect for each other and don't like go super deep, but they're just shady. Like that's sort of what I'm looking for here. Yeah. Opposite of that though, in terms of deep is this Jacqueline and Mia situation. No, Emma literally texted me like, I am so upset about this while she was watching. I am because I was watching it and I felt like Jacqueline was traumatized a little bit from this instance. And I, who knows what actually went on? Like, I can't even speak to the validity of either of their arguments. I just can't get over the fact that you as Mia bring your longtime friend onto the show and then you embarrass the fuck out of her. I think that's low. I think Mia just like is forgetting, I guess, their relationship. I, I don't really know what's going on here. It seems so deep and sad and to the point where Jacqueline like wants nothing to do with the show anymore because I think she sees how it's interfering with this fight that they're having and how so much, like I said last week, so much of the conversation that they want to have or could have can't be done with the cameras around because there is so much that they probably don't want to air out or that at least Jacqueline doesn't want to air out. But the disrespect that Mia is treating her with is like, honestly, it's heartbreaking to me. Like imagine your friend treating you like that at all, let alone in front of a whole group of women who you barely know. And 
let alone in front of a camera crew for the whole world to see. Right. But also the thing that I found to be so upsetting is forget about their particular issues, which clearly are deep. And like you said, don't need to be aired out so publicly to say the thing about keep your legs close to married men or whatever it is, you're directly making pretty much a character assassination that now will stand with her. Even if you guys make up, which does not seem like that's at all in the future based on what's going on currently on social media. Like it's not like you just brought her on and then created this drama that only exists within the show. You made a stance about her character very publicly that was partially maybe related to you and your relationship, but she alluded to other things. It was, I don't know. I can't really get over that. Although I'll tell you one thing right now. I've gone back and forth on Mia, and I think where I have finally landed, and this could change, is like she's a little bit off, but she is so entertaining. Yeah, she's very interesting. Like she just brings a different dynamic and perspective to this cast. I mean, even like we were saying, how she's just open about sex and her views on relationships and things, and how she speaks openly about stuff. Like I think throws this group specifically for a loop, but. I don't know. This whole fight with Jacqueline really started out as like, wow, this is really like two sisters fighting and bickering and now has gone so deep when there's comments made that are irreversible and like really show how you feel about someone. That's when it gets so messy. She also posted last week a photo of her family and she wrote, reverse, reverse. Yes, we moved. This was bittersweet as we anticipated living in the big house for at least three years while we decided to build slash purchase, continue to rent, who knows, but due to unforeseen circumstances, our big space got cut short. One thing about me, I will never stay down for long. Minor setback. Hopefully we'll have the opportunity to show you our new space. Elevator up, penthouse living, we return. And what I thought was kind of interesting is that in the comment section, she was responding to people that basically said, you know, maybe this humbled you a little bit. And she pretty much acknowledged that of like, you know what? It's true. I, I I think she felt that she got a little bit carried away and was almost putting on this persona. And then this whole situation really brought her back down. At least she's able to like recognize that. I love when people call you on your shit and you're like, yeah, that's the best comeback to me, honestly. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. In terms of Karen and Sharice, like, what are you thinking about this? Okay. I think the Karen and Sharice fight is so 
deep rooted, but also has actually no roots. Does that make sense? Like it's all a lot of bullshit back and forth of stuff that didn't really happen and misunderstandings from either side. And also honestly, which Giselle so obviously perfectly to light the flame brings up about being this queen grand dame of Potomac and a ringleader in the friend group and an OG and blah, blah, blah. It's like a pissing contest. (laughs) It is. And that's the thing. If you actually want to outline what went wrong, the list isn't that long. There aren't that many individual instances. It's more so this feeling that Karen has and can't shake of, and maybe Sharice has as well, but I, I do feel it's slightly more Karen of this deep competitive nature with Sharice and really feeling as though she's kind of encroaching on her territory. Not to say that Sharice doesn't have any of those feelings. I do find that Karen is slightly more bothered by Sharice than Sharice is by Karen. Although at the end of the day, if you're asking me where my loyalty lies, it is to Karen, but I don't think she handled this argument great either. No, I don't think either of them handled it great. I think it was like, they haven't had a moment to sort of explode on each other because they've been avoiding each other for so long and so many years and have been able to be pleasant to each other's faces for the 30 second interactions they have and be really fake. And there was like, Years and years of shit coming to a head right there. And also misunderstandings. I mean, look about the funerals and the losing the parents. Like those, I think they both felt were moments of maybe a bridge and maybe like a real friendship, but also we're looking at it from a shady angle. So I don't even really know. Right. And then Sharice in her confessional saying, yeah, Karen did text me when my father died. I think it was a one-line text. And Karen then going on Instagram and posting a screen recording of the entire paragraph text she had sent Sharice. I hate that shit though. I think when you get there, that's when you've lost the plot because it's it totally takes away the core of the issue. Like you are entitled to have really deep, sad and angry feelings about losing your family. But then there's this unfair conflation between the person you're fighting with. And I just think it's classless when that happens. Like when you've gotten to the point where you have to post your condolence text to the person that just lost their parent, it's it's gone too far and you're losing sight of reality is the way that I feel. Even though I do understand wanting to back yourself up when you feel as though your character was being assassinated or the way that you would handle such a sensitive situation was being presented incorrectly. I understand the root of it, but I think it's one of those times you got to say, I'm off on this. Right. I mean, I see it from both angles because while I do think it's like, how did we get here? This is so low. I also can imagine looking back at my text and seeing this whole beautiful paragraph I wrote and hearing someone say, oh, you only did this. You have no heart, blah, blah, blah. And being like, the fuck are you talking about? Like I sang this whole thing and I want the whole world to know it. Maybe she should have waited till the reunion. She probably couldn't. But sometimes when you have those receipts and you are bursting at the seams for everyone to know, like it's impossible. I mean, by the way, I was, who, when did Kim Kardashian say this? Oh, on, on one of the podcasts she was on when she was like, if you guys only knew the receipts I have on my phone, but I just keep it all to myself. I do not know how she has the restraint because that is on like a level 100 versus like Karen and Sharice's fight on Housewives. And I mean, it probably every single day she wakes up and is like, God, I could just prove everybody wrong right now. I think that there is a lot of power that can be derived from silence. Like I do think there's something to be said for rising above it when it does feel so petty. Of course, I think you should speak your truth. Like if Karen felt that this was weighing on her deeply, I think she has every right to post it. I just think the fact that we even got there is so off. Like how was this? I I don't know. When that becomes the core of the argument, I just find it to be a little bit low. It's not dissimilar to Heather and Lisa on Salt Lake City. It's the same thing. It's like, I get wanting to defend yourself, but I also think the fact that we're having this fight in the first place I don't know. It's a. It's like, this is above reality TV and give yourself the same courtesy that you would want to give someone else who's grieving. Well, it also made me think that like these two instances of loss in their life are literally the only interactions that Karen and Sharice have had in the last five years. So it's the only thing they have to fight about. Like they aren't hanging out. They aren't filming the show together because Sharice wasn't on it. But when these big moments popped up, they sort of kind of came in and said, hey, I'm thinking about you. Like that's sort of when everyone comes out of the woodwork. And if they have any sort of relationship or even want to extend an olive branch or just want to say like all of our past issues, whatever, that's when they come and just give you a little like pat on the back moment of support. 
those two things, their two moments of loss are the only time that they've had any interaction. So it's like, they almost have nothing else to fight about. And they both viewed them as like perpetrating their fight more. Whereas the other person who was doing it never viewed it that way. Okay. So what I think is that it's not even necessarily their only interaction because I have to imagine they've been in a lot of situations where they have had interactions. I think it is the only interaction that either of them, specifically Karen, feels like she has permission to assign intensity to because it's objectively a pretty serious situation. So it makes sense why she would have so much emotion around it. Whereas I'm sure if you actually ask Karen to let it all out, there are a lot of petty instances that are so trivial and not even worth mentioning, but rubbed her the wrong way. And so she knows that's not something she's going to get anyone on board with, which is why when it comes to like the death of a parent, one of the most serious heartbreaking things that could ever happen in a person's life, you're allowed to have, you know, intense emotions around that, of course. So I actually think that it it is so much more representative of maybe a collection of petty instances that took place in addition to the genuine feelings she had around this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also think a lot of the pettiness didn't go down in like in-person situations. It was really like social media and stories online and probably rumors around town that aren't like super tangible versus like you stuck your head in the limo at my mother's funeral or you sent me this text. Like you're right. They're allowed to have big feelings and allowed to interpret those moments in whatever way. Like there's a little bit more freedom and wiggle room. It's just, I just, I don't like it. I don't, I'm down for them fighting, but this is like went from zero to a hundred. And Giselle and Robin were living for it. Stirring that motherfucking pot. I know, which like I get, obviously, I totally understand. And even though Robin hasn't been my favorite this season at all, I can get what she means when she says to Karen, like, how is it that you are the only one that's exempt from your shit being discussed? It's a totally fair point, even though I myself am guilty of feeling as though Karen is excused because like she's quote in a different category, but when it comes down to it, she's not. She's a housewife. She signed up for this in the same way that everyone did. There's just a way that Robin goes about it that I find of like annoying is the best word that I can use, even though I do believe she's technically right. It's for some reason, the way that she approaches it specifically with Karen turns me off. Is that just me? No, it's not just you. I just Giselle's comment about the Grand Dame of Potomac thing really shook me. That was like a moment where she said, I'm going to drop the craziest thing that I know will set Karen off. And she did. Yeah. And she's not wrong that that's the thing that's going to set Karen off. In terms of who really is the grand dame, I don't know enough about Potomac politics to really understand. I think that they both have a very solid standing within the community. Like forget about housewives. We're not living in like the British monarchy. Like there's no, there's no higher this or that, you know, like that's like saying who's like the queen of New York. Like you're never going to be able to pick. It's like all opinion based. And it's such a silly thing made up like by the show, basically, that's given them this sense of like holier than thou and I run this town. But like, honestly, I don't think either of them do. And I don't think anybody is measuring it by that. Like, it's so dumb. Okay. Yeah. But also, even if you want to think about Manhattan for a second, no, it's not like there's one queen, but within this kind of like, let's say elite society. I do think that if you were to poll the people that are a part of that, they would be able to rank like which members are actually more well-connected, even if you wanted to take it OG, like Jill Zarin versus a Luann or a Ramona. I think that people outside of Housewives would have a very legitimate opinion on that. Of course, it's not this like firm standing thing that that exists and, and that's the final ruling. Of course, it's subjective, obviously. But I do think there's something to be said for like who at the core of it has stronger relationships and has better connections within the community they live in, no? Yeah, I just think it's like me living in New York and not having any stake in the Potomac society, how would I know? Versus like around their group of friends or people in society or whatever may have a better grasp on the situation. I don't know. It's like, I feel like we need to be Billy on the street and go around Potomac and say, who do you know better? Who throws better parties? Who's more well-connected? Who, you know, like how else are we supposed to know? We, we got to take it to a vote. <laughs> Not me and you with microphones on the streets of Potomac <laughs> asking to choose between Karen and Sharice. That is, <laughs> no, no. And then there's like the scorecard graphic that comes on the screen. Oh my God, that is so funny. I just like can imagine Karen making like vote for Karen 
posters, hanging them around the whole city. And Sharice is like going around paying people off to vote for her and like hosting <laughs> these like fabulous parties in her champagne room, trying right. to, you know, swindle the voters in her direction. Right. And we're like knocking on the door. You notice that you have a vote for Karen Huger sign on your front lawn and just wanted to inquire. And they're like, we didn't even know that was there. It was some lady just put it on this morning. <laughs> Ray is walking house to house. <laughs> oh my God. You know, what we didn't even talk about when the, the preview and Robin is like, yeah, the, the blue eyed guy in Vegas and Karen's face looks like she saw a ghost. Oh my God. I've been hearing about this blue eyed guy since the day I was born. I know. I've known about this blue eyed Vegas since before I could speak. <laughs> <laughs> What was the other thing that I wanted to mention from this episode? Honestly, not a hell of a lot. Oh, the Mia and Wendy thing. Oh, what do you think? Like, I got to be honest with you. When it comes down to it, I'm going to be more on Wendy's side than I'm ever going to be on Mia's, even though I think Mia's more entertaining. I think Wendy's more of a stand-up woman. Like, if I'm really choosing who does my moral compass align more with, I think at the end of the day, it's Wendy. But God, is it fun to watch them fight. It is fun to watch them fight, especially when Mia starts asking Wendy about like legal jargon. Like, you're not going to win that fight. Yeah, I think she thought she threw Wendy off for a second when she brought up defamation because that's not the direction Wendy was thinking it was going to go. But once she gathered her thoughts, like she went into full professor mode. I I just think that they cannot stand one another. Like the way that I could actually envision Candace and Ashley hanging out and enjoying their time together, I cannot envision a world in which Mia and Wendy are going to go to a lunch and have it be genuine. No, and that's okay. I mean, to me, this feels like a healthy argument where they're just never going to be friends and they're always going to butt heads. Obviously, what happened in Miami was not okay by any means, but I'm not like dying for them to make up and have this love story and be best friends forever because I just don't think that's realistic and that's okay. No, that would be totally inauthentic. And by the way, if everyone was like that, the show wouldn't be a show. Well, duh. The, the the most wild moment of this entire episode was not Giselle mentioning the Grand Dame of Potomac thing. The most wild moment was Robin casually dropping that her and Juan are going to Jamaica for her brother-in-law's wedding. And then while they're there, they're going to do a little tack on. And like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? You don't do that. There was like two huge like wedding faux pas. Robin saying that she's basically going to piggyback on her brother-in-law's wedding in Jamaica and Marisol wearing a white feather dress to Nicole's engagement party. I feel like we needed to have like a wedding rules 101 class with Bravo this week. Yeah, I I mean, listen, everyone in terms of their marriage, do whatever the fuck you want. If it makes you happy, go for it. I have just never heard that. Like I, when she was explaining it to me in a way that, was trying to communicate what she believed to be the efficiency of the situation and how seamless of a decision it was to make that. I w- I felt like I was being gaslit. I was like, you can't tell me that you are piggybacking on your brother-in-law's most special day and telling me that I'm supposed to come out of this thinking this is a good idea. The way I feel is like, do whatever you want. Obviously you're on vacation. You want to go somewhere else. You want to, whatever, but like You're going to do that, but also not invite any of your family who are just there for the other wedding. And you're still going to be private and sketchy about it. You've had all these years. You could do it wherever you want. Anything you have it in your backyard, have it at town hall, whatever you think. It just felt like even for their sake, it's taking away from the moment. Like don't minimize this. They literally are just trying to get it over with. But that's why. And that's what makes me think like, If you guys don't want to get married, that's also totally fine. You don't have to. I almost feel like they're letting the pressure of everyone else and the optics of it seep in. So they're going to do this to kind of get it over with. But in the process, it hurts both cases because you're still getting the same criticism from the people you're trying to appease and you're not getting the same special feeling from your day that you probably should have. Or maybe they do. I don't know. I just, that one really threw me. I have never heard that before. No, me either. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, did you, was Jamaica your choice? Like if you were going to go anywhere and you wanted to do a destination, would it have been Jamaica? Or were you like, you know what? That's a good idea. That's almost how it felt. Like kill two birds with one stone. Then we don't have to plan anything. We already took the flight. We're there. Let's do it. Get it over with. Come home and tell everyone we got married. Like she's so weird about it. Even when she got the veil, She's like, oh, it blew in the wind and like she would refuse to wear it. It's like, just be chill. You don't have to do it. You just like take the joke. I don't know. I, I do wonder though, was this her idea or was it Juan's idea? Because mm. 
if it if it genuinely was both of their ideas and they're like, this makes sense, this is what we want to do, go for it. Who am I to judge? But I'm going to tell you right now, and I know you know this, if my fiance came to me and said, you know, I've really been thinking about the wedding plans. And since we're going to Turks and Caicos anyway, next week for my brother's wedding, you want to just stay an extra day. I think that the the guy officiating is still going to be there. I would look at him and I would say, be fucking for real. Like how- (laughs) Like the flowers will still be fresh. We can just reuse them. Like, are you, (laughs) you want to, no, I I actually am thinking about it right now. I'm getting hot. I would be speed. Imagine me calling you. Imagine the FaceTime after you're not going to believe what he just said to me. No, I'd say divorce. Yeah, no, no, no. I would so much rather do it in my backyard. Do it in my backyard. We don't have to go anywhere. But go to the courthouse. Make it, yeah, go to the courthouse. Just make it be our own. Pull it, pull it, Courtney and Travis. Go to the Santa Barbara courthouse and have it be our own. Oh my God, I would love that. And bring MJ with me. Totally. Okay, let's do Miami. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. I feel like the last few weeks we've been singing Larsa's praises and I do stand by that. But this week she kind of regressed a little. She definitely has this holier-than-thou attitude, and it's really, ugh, it's so annoying, and I just want her to like get over it. I know, because what I don't understand is like, how does she not think that saying something like that to Nicole is going to uh, elicit that type of a response? Like, that is a massive accusation to say so casually, and when they were going back through the footage, even though what she was saying in most times ended up being true. Like when you really lay it out, Lisa and Lenny were renting their house at times, not necessarily to pay the mortgage, but they were renting the house out. Julia apparently was making out with the guy. It's not like she was coming up with these completely delusional things. This one with Nicole, I think has zero truth to it, just to clarify. But still it's like, she kind of throws these bombs and then just walks away. And I very much understand Nicole's reaction. 
I think something she also does is she thinks that by framing it in the way of like, I've heard things about you, like you slept with the whole hospital, but I don't say it, that then it sort of makes her like innocent because of the way that she's saying it in that way of like, I've heard things about you too. It's like Nicole is very innocently saying I just want to get to know people or know people before I have them in my home. I find that that's very intimate, which by the way, I totally agree with. And Larsa is just so fucking defensive. That's more what it is. More than her having like this holier than thou attitude, she's so defensive because I think she's so used to being judged or taking that as like a, I've heard shit about you or this is what people say about you or here's what people say in the media. When Nicole did not say any of that, like I felt so defensive of Nicole this whole week. Like every minute I was like team Nicole fighting for Nicole. I think she's so right. I think she has such a good head in her shoulders. And I don't understand why Larsa took this like pretty innocent comment and spun it. Like that's your own issue if that's how you take it. Well, that's what I was going to say. When Larsa says in her confessional, she kind of tells on herself because she says, you know, how did you not know me? I was married to one of the most famous basketball players for 23 years. I was like, oh, so this is an ego thing. This isn't that you actually had a problem with Nicole wanting to get to know a person before inviting them into their home. It was more so that you felt her saying that was a slight as if to say like, I've never heard of this person. If you go to Nicole's confessional, that's not what she was saying. She was very familiar with who, quote, Larsa Pippen was, the idea of who Larsa was, but she didn't know her on a one-to-one basis. But all that Larsa heard, and even if Nicole meant it to be a little bit shady, all that Larsa could extract from that is like, how dare you not know me when I not only run this town, but I have been such a public figure. And that's where she lost me because automatically I saw that everything was a response to that. Right. I think that was one part of it. And the other half was like, I've heard all this shit about Larsa or there's rumors about her and I want to sort of get to the bottom of it before I have her over, like make sure she's good enough to come in my house, which again is not what Nicole fucking said. Like, yeah, you're right. Larsa did tell on herself. Like the whole thing was like, you were adding on and filling in the gaps of this comment that Nicole so innocently made and just projecting your own insecurities into it. Right. And and you're right about the, you know, her being so defensive because she knows the way that people have perceived her at times. Like we even kind of spoke to her about that. I totally get that. If anything though, and like this may be an unfair spin in Nicole's favor, but just hear me out. Like if you really just take the situation at hand and you're explaining both circumstances, if anything, maybe Nicole really wants to do the work herself of figuring out who the real Larsa is and not believe everything she's heard, which is all Larsa wants people to do. Yet when she actually yes. gets that, yeah, when she actually gets that though, she realized that it strips her of this kind of idea and, and this persona in terms of like the relevance that she has leaned on. It's very complicated because I do believe what Larsa wants is pure independence. And I have a lot of respect for her getting it whatever way she gets it. No, no shade at all. But you can't ha- want that so badly and try to stand firm on that yet only use it when it feels advantageous to you. Right. And I just think I see Nicole and I see her intentions and how she operates as a person and a friend. So I can so clearly see that that was not the way that she meant it to go down. But I just don't think Larsa sees that. I think it's all about her and she can't really look past that and get to understand a person and their intentions. Like I think she always thinks everyone has the worst of intentions and it's just not true. I mean, she's been burned in the past, so I don't blame her, but This was just so frustrating. And truly, I was so team Nicole throughout this whole thing. I I can't even tell you. So was I. And like, yeah, was the mirror thing ridiculously petty? Absolutely. But I was so here for it. That's the kind of stuff I want to see on Housewives. Yeah, I will say, actually, the mirror thing was a little annoying to me, like a little fake Housewives-y, like so performative. Obviously, she wouldn't have done that if the cameras were rolling. And it was really the first moment that I felt like that, maybe in the past two seasons. But I can give her a break because I think she's so great in all other aspects that like, it's not the most offensive thing I've ever seen. I just think that Miami works because they don't have to rely on gimmicky things like that, that every once in a blue moon when they want to throw it in, I'm not mad about it. I will say though, in terms of at the actual party, which I want to get into because I want to talk about Nicole's dad and all of that. I ride for Alexia, but Nicole's right. There is no world in which Alexia would have been unbothered if Lars had said something like that to her. But I I think Alexia's loyalty does lie, of course, more with Lars than it does with Nicole. But Nicole was right on that one. Yeah, I just think Alexia 
sometimes is like loyal to a fault where she can't even see the other side where so clearly, obviously if someone had slandered her in that way, she would never, ever stand for it. But that sort of leads me into my next thing, which is this whole thing with Nicole and her father. And it's like, I guess Alexia and Marisol just don't really like Nicole or understand her, or they think that she's a little bit lesser than, which like, you know, fine, teach their own. But when they started commenting on her relationship with her father and Alexia and her confessional said, you know, I think Nicole just needs to have a better, more positive outlook on it and not take the situation so seriously. And Marisol is sort of like cozying up and being like, I love this guy. He's great. Like, what is Nicole talking about? That rubbed me the wrong way because you do not know. There's a big difference between chatting, you know, tipsy at a party and like him being your father and disappointing you and going through the things that she's gone through in her life. And I feel like if anyone would understand that it's Alexia. And by the way, like, I don't know. You, what do you know about their relationship? It just really bothered me. I have to be honest. No, I felt the exact same way as well. This entire thing made me so uncomfortable, especially because to your point, chatting with someone for an hour or two at this glamorous party when the alcohol is flowing is a very different situation than that same person raising you and feeling as though throughout your life, they repeatedly did not only you wrong, but also your mother. I mean, it's that is something you really cannot comment on until you're in the situation. And to Nicole's credit, let's even say maybe a time she's been hard on her father, which I'm not saying, but if you want to give that, fine. She invited him. At the end of the day, he's only at the party because Nicole purposely and intentionally invited him and gave him permission to be there to celebrate one of the happiest times in her life. To me, that is a huge olive branch. On top of that, she's allowed to feel however she feels. And like, I don't know, I I had to watch this without personalizing it too much. Like, I really do think you try to have to watch it without the lens of your own relationships with your parents. But yeah, I was really turned off by that because I think if I was in Nicole's shoes, I cannot imagine a father acting in that way. No. And I have to give Alexia the benefit of the doubt that maybe her comment in the confessional was taken out of context. You know, they take little snippets of a long thing she said, whatever. But I just felt like it was less their commentary on actually the father versus like a little bit trying to dig at Nicole and be like, what, what are you complaining about? You know, you're so like basically painting her out to be like whiny and complaining and whatever that they may think about her. Like they were sort of using that to sort forward their agenda or prove their thoughts about her to be true. And it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. This is one instance where I just don't, I just don't think that that's at all a fair point to make in general, like the parent child relationships are the one thing you really, I don't think can comment on in terms of trying to strengthen your argument as a fellow housewife. I just don't. Especially when you literally don't know them. It's one thing if you're best friends, close friends, you have a front row seat to it all the time and they vent about it. But like they've only heard top line things from Nicole and they've only met her father for 10 minutes over a cocktail. Like that does not give you the right. No. And I think probably what was even more frustrating for Nicole, if she were to watch that back, is that I bet that is the same sentiment that has been echoed to her by various people over the years of just needing to accept your father how he is. And even if there is some truth to that, because at a certain point you can't change a person, I think it probably takes away from the very real pain that she feels towards him. I don't know. that It's yeah. a it's a complicated dynamic. And honestly, I would say this was a favorable edit for his, for his sake. Yeah. Like yes. 10 minutes where he's drunk and having fun with women at a party in a way that they're actually not interpreting as creepy. Like that's a win for him. I think that Nicole has probably had a lot of instances throughout her life where she was not only deeply embarrassed, but just like deeply hurt by it all. Yeah. I just know this will be a conversation at the reunion and she'll say that Alexia's comment hurt her and that she doesn't know anything about it. And hopefully Alexia will have a good answer and maybe, I don't know, a longer thing to say that was not clipped in that way. The one thing that I guess I could see as being perceived in Alexia's defense, even though obviously I just made my whole point about how I'm very team Nicole on this, is that I do think part of Alexia's argument is coming from the place of like, 
I just wish I had my parents more than anything. I want you to appreciate them while you have them. And maybe here's a way to do that. Like, I don't think it was entirely to, you know, to further the agenda against Nicole. I think there's a real part of her and Marisol who are like, oh my God, you have access to this person. I want you to have the most fruitful relationship you could possibly have. So I I get it. But then say that say that. Totally. That's what I'm saying. I think that she portrayed it in like the worst possible way. But I, I, I'd be lying if I said I thought it was all negative because I do think there's parts of it that like are coming from a good place, you know? Yeah. No, I do too. Wait, as a side note for a second, do we know whatever ended up happening with Julia and Martina and this adoption, which I know obviously recently Martina's cancer diagnosis potentially could have changed some plans in terms of where they really need to focus their energy. But did we ever hear anything other than the show? I don't think so. I mean, again, this seems like a reunion question of like, what are their plans now? Like you said, I think they probably have to focus their energy more on Martina and she may not be in the headspace. But I am curious to see like if they are going to follow through with that and continue to, I don't know, go down that journey. I was laughing when Gertie was like, yeah, Russell's very hot, but he's also the biggest geek I know. And then you're just seeing him in fucking X Games mode with the Star Wars heads up. I'm like, how? I've never in my life, I've never heard of any of these people. Luke Skywalker is like maybe a faint memory that I've heard a few times, but he knew them from the first mention. They really are the opposites attract picture of a marriage. And also the fact that they have been together for so long and those things that were such clear differences never drew them apart. If anything, like it made their relationship stronger. They have, it works for them. They could not be more different in the way that they seem to approach life, but it really works for them. I will never get sick of them putting up their pictures from like high school and prom and college. It's so cute. I know. How lucky to have that, you know? I know. It's so sweet. Is there anything else that you want to mention about anything? No, kind of a slow week. You know, we're gearing up, getting back into season soon enough. We're going to have Summerhouse, Vanderpump Rules, and Jersey. And I- I'm excited. And next week we have Salt Lake City Reunion, which like, can't say I'm excited about, but maybe we'll get some answers for questions that I don't really have. Okay, well, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we love you guys. Have the best weekend. This season on Naughty Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take Yada Yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join, same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices.